And I, I'll always share this story when people used to say to me, and they used to say to me all the time, and it was a killer, they'd go, how are you? And I'd go, um, <laughs> and I think, just say yes, Laura, just say yes, you're fine. Because if I told you the real truth, I'd really upset you. So I just go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Because I knew I couldn't, I couldn't offload, I couldn't share my truth, which was, it's really hard. But with other people that have gone through cancer, you feel you can relate actually, and you can, they understand you and they get, and they get it. And that's why we called it, we get it, because they get it. I would say that was the first lesson I learned in my cancer journey in that, and whether this is a very British thing, I'm not sure, but actually you spend a lot of time managing other people's feelings. So I remember being in the supermarket and having just had a diagnosis and someone going, oh, how are you? Because I looked really well in, in my cancer journey. And um, I'm going, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not one to go, oh yeah, I'm fine when I'm not. I'm one to sort of, you know, be a bit sweary and, and tell the truth. And it's like, do I ruin this person's day and tell them what's just happened to me? or? Do I just go, oh, you know, and actually I was thinking about their feelings, not not where I was at. And I would I'd say I learned that really early and um, that's really difficult, isn't it? So that relates back to what Laura was saying about, you know, when your family and friends, they're already dealing with quite a lot, but also, you know, just sort of um, where's the space for you to offload how you're actually feeling? Hello, and welcome to Cancer Talks podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I'd like to thank you for joining me. The Cancer Talks team is a collective of three registered nutritional therapists. They are Linda Sims, Andrea Burton, and myself. Today, we are delighted to say that we have the We Get It Cancer Girls joining us. We Get It is an organization that was founded by Laura Phillips, and she and Sarah Baker, who is their social media and events director, are joining us today to share their own personal story about cancer, about receiving their diagnosis, and how and why this wonderful organization was formed, and all the wonderful things that they're doing to help and support people who have cancer. I hope you enjoy listening in as much as we enjoyed being a part of the conversation with these two amazing and inspiring women. Laura and Sarah, we get it, Cancer Girls. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. It is great to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yeah. Well, Linda and Andrea and I are here to talk with you about your own personal stories, talk about your wonderful charity and how and why you had to start this charity. We get it. And as you were saying just before, Sarah, it's a really sucky reason for why you had to start the charity, but it's actually turned out to be a really wonderful thing. So we'd like to hear you, as I said, share your story. We'd like you to talk about whatever you want to talk about today. And in between all of that, Linda and Andrea and I will ask you some questions. Is that, and we have an hour. I always say that's a lot to pack in an hour, but is that okay with you guys? Yeah, sounds great. Great. Okay. Laura, I think you start, Laura. Give us, Laura's our founder. So really the story starts with her. So she should, she should go. No pressure. Okay. Um, gosh, it, do you know what? When I talk about my story and kind of why we started, we get it. It feels like a long time ago now because 
I'm, I'm not just saying this, we've just achieved so much in a small amount of time with an amazing group of volunteers. Um, so I'm gonna kind of take you back um, to kind of where it all started really. Um, back in kind of 2000, and, gosh, it seems like years ago, 2015. Um, so I'm a, I'm a PE teacher, I love exercise, bit of a daredevil. So, you know, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it. And I'm a bit hundred miles an hour. So I'm kind of a type personality. If I'm doing something, I'm doing with hundred percent, giving, giving it all, I'm all or nothing. Um, but then I suddenly realized in life that I just couldn't do anything. I, cu I couldn't go training. I was tired all the time. Um, and I was having real trouble eating. Now I love food, like probably Asian. I love a curry, curry half and half with a, a nice naan bread, bottle of red wine perfect but I couldn't I couldn't even eat my favorite food which is a curry so my partner would get really frustrated really frustrated with me and um she we'd go out for dinner and she'd like I'm not buying you food because you're just wasting money you know you, you you're ordering all this food and you're not eating it and I was just like I'm really sorry I just I can't eat it I just physically can't so the fact that I couldn't drink I couldn't eat I couldn't train was worrying me I was losing weight which I thought everyone's like you look great I was like yeah I know thanks thanks but actually deep down inside I was like something's really not right like I'm not feeling great so I went to the doctor said look I'm just I'm just feeling tired and that's all I could give them was like I'm just feeling really tired and um, so they gave me blood tests and they said you've got an infection and your infection markers are going up but we don't know what it is come back next week so I'd go back next week same thing again your infection markers are going up we don't know what it is come back next week so by about six months later, I'm like literally <laughs> just on my knees with pneumonia, a collapsed lung, um, fluid on my lungs, like literally dragging myself to the doctors. Um, and they're going, do you know what? You know, maybe you should get tested for, you know, this is two things here. So the, the doctor rings me and says, Laura, we're really worried now. You know, it, this is getting to the point where your, your white blood cell is off the scale. She goes, there's two things. And this was on the phone. She went it's HIV or cancer. And I kind of went, pardon? I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> but literally, I was like, because it's what? not funny. <laughs> no, it's I'm not like, funny, but wow, what a choice. Cra mm. Crazy. But actually, I was more offended by the HIV. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, so I got off the phone, I went to my partner. The doctor just said, it's HIV or cancer. And she went, how dare she? How dare she tell you that on the phone? And I was yeah. like, no. I was like, she said, so she called me in the next day. And, um, but I was, like I said, I was more devastated about, I, well, I was actually in shock that, well, about a multitude of things. So she called me in and, and, and I was straight into kind of A&E and um, I didn't come out of A&E really. I just kind of hodled on in and that's when um, they did kind of CT scans um, and, blood tests and biopsy because I had a lump in my neck at that point uh, which they hadn't spotted and I hadn't spotted either um until quite late um so I stayed in hospital then because I was pretty pretty bad um with a multitude of things collapsed lung fluid on the lungs um a lump lump in my neck um so everything was kind of off the scale so when they came and actually told me Laura you've got tumors we've done the CT scan you've got tumors in your neck uh your lung your aorta your pelvis your stomach your spleen you're kind of cut, it was all on my left side um it's all in your kind of lymph nodes on your left side uh it's cancer I kind of went right and actually it was a sense of kind of relief because what I was told it was kind of like god you're 
I've actually got an answer because I felt mm. like absolute crap. Mm. Like yeah. I felt, I was like, finally, someone's told me what it is, you know? And, yeah. but yeah. I think the, the next kind of chapter was me. Was it was, wasn't just, you've got cancer. It was, you're actually quite ill. And if we don't start chemo in five days, it's life or death. So you need chemo in five, you need chemo in five days. You're going to lose your hair. You're not going to be have, ch- have children. Your fertility has gone. Um, we won't be able to take your eggs out. You know, I, um, you can't have any of that. It's bang straight into the chemo. I think that's when it wasn't necessarily the cancer. It was get on with it. You just got to get on yeah. with it. Let's go. So yeah, that, that, kind of was my kind of cancer kind of <laughs> awakening, shall I say. But then I, I kind of realized it was kind of a bit of a, a lonely place to be. And actually the hospital was lonely because I was there on my own. Imagine being in hospital now. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just as an aside, talking about COVID and cancer, but sorry, yeah. Laura, but you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and but I think treat, treatment was actually l- lonely for me just because everyone else was, and I'm not being ageist, but, you know, it wasn't like the films. I was expecting there to be other people my age and you turn around, you watch a film together or you have a little chin wipe of a coffee or whatever. And there was no one else my own age to relate to. And, and everyone was just so zoned out on their own chemo. I felt just really isolated and alone and, frustrated that I couldn't relate to anyone share my story share my symptoms share my emotions I googled everything and the only support group that came up in Bath was a gynae support group and a breast cancer support group and I was actually diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma stage three so um I was blood so I didn't fit into any of them so during cancer I wanted nutrition support um, physical activity advice or a PT loads of PTs turned me down I rang up was like can you do me a one-to-one go through cancer treatment we don't work with cancer patients thanks mm-hmm. um, I actually spoke to a nutritionist actually in, in Bath and she also just turned me down so um, and I don't work with cancer patients I was like right great so I was just desperate to just uh, mm-hmm. live my life actually with cancer mm-hmm. and I was um, frustrated with a lack of support and groups and resources in Bath so that's why I went, as soon as I finished treatment, I said, right, that's it. I'm doing my own support group. And it's for any, it's, it was actually for women to start with. Women affected by cancer, any cancer, any stage, any age, let's go. And that's how I started. And it was actually called a different name back then, <laughs> but we transformed it into We Get It. And We Get It symbolizes the fact that we don't discriminate. Yeah. So there's no gender, whatever gender, any cancer, any age, any stage because mm. I think it's really important that we build a community where people are accepted and supported um, and helping each other because mm. I, I don't want anyone else. The reason I started we get it is I don't want anyone else to feel like I did because I was felt so alone. So in my head, I'm like, I want to make sure no one else is alone like I felt going through treatment and make sure they're supported and help or signposted that I didn't have. So I just want to make sure no one is made to feel like I was during treatment. And that's where we get it was kind of created really. So I will. That really resonates with me actually, because my stepdaughter was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma 15 years ago, maybe. And she was only 21 and she was exactly the same as you. She was sat in a hospital having chemo and nobody of her age was there. Nobody knew I mean they they knew they talked about it but at 21 years old going through her finals at university with no hair 
Um, she had great, beautiful, long blonde hair. And, you know, she had nobody to talk to apart from family and friends, but nobody going through it with her. So, yeah, that was tough. And I think actually Sarah will probably agree with me here, but sometimes you don't want to um, offload or share your emotions with your family and your friends. One, they don't understand. And two, you don't want to hurt them. You know, they're already hurting. Like they're looking at you with no hair in bits because of chemo. They, you know, you don't want to go. And I'll always share this story when people used to say to me and used to say to me all the time, and it was a killer. They'd go, how are you? And I'd go, um, (laughs) and I think, just say yes, Laura, just say yes, you're fine. Because if I told you the real truth, I'd really upset you. So I just go, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Because I knew I couldn't, I couldn't offload, I couldn't share my truth, which was, it's really hard. But with other people that have gone through cancer, you feel you can relate actually, and you can, they understand you and they get, and they get it. And that's why we called it, we get it because they get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I I would say that was the first lesson I learned in my cancer journey in that and whether this is a very British thing I'm not sure but actually you spend a lot of time managing other people's feelings so I remember being in the supermarket and having just had a diagnosis and someone going oh how are you because I looked really well in in my cancer journey and um I'm going oh, I'm not, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm not one to go, oh, yeah, I'm fine when I'm not. I'm one to sort of, you know, be a bit sweary and, and tell the truth. And it's like, do I ruin this person's day and tell them what's just happened to me? Or do I just go, oh, you know, and actually I was thinking about their feelings, not not where I was at. And I would I'd say I learned that really early and um, – that's really difficult, isn't it? So that relates back to what Laura was saying about, you know, when your family and friends, they're already dealing with quite a lot, but also, you know, just sort of um, where's the space for you to offload how you're actually feeling? Because, you know, it's not fair for me to put all of that on my kids, for instance, who were, however old they were at the, at the time, they're teenagers now, but you know, you have to hold some of it back for some of your family members and some of your friends um, who have got their own stuff as well. You know, other people are going through other things. So it's finding and creating that space where you can just go, it's like this. Yeah. Someone goes, oh, I know, you know, and, and you don't eat. Ugh. It can be the, the word you use because someone else will totally get that, you know, that where you're at. Did you feel like you were, for you, Laura, finding out you had that diagnosis and you're in hospital and they say to you, right, you have to start chemo immediately. You have to do this. Did you feel like you were in a fog? Did everything become very clear or was it like you were almost in a surreal moment I, for you both? That's just wondering how that must be for you as an individual receiving that diagnosis for both of you. And then just that that immediate moment of, I know where I think would be going through my head from other things that I've had occur, but I just wondered what that would, was like for you. Can I just ask this on the same line? um, Do you think the fact that you were told you need chemo next five days, that kind of took away any festering and wondering, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Do you think that was in a way helpful because you had no choice and you just had to jump into it? Yeah. It, it, do you know what? Looking back now, it took away my power though and control of, mm-hmm. of the situation. So I had no control. 
And that put me in a real kind of like scary moment because everyone else was making decisions on my life. Mm -hmm. And I think if I look back, I was probably really scared and it was kind of a bit of a fight or flight. And because everyone was crumbling around me, I kind of just went, oh my God, I got to just get it together and just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of just had to shun a part of my emotion and being to protect other, my mum and dad, you know, my uh, my partner, you know, they were all just falling apart. So I just knew in those five days, I had to just, yeah, just really kind of focus, almost like a bit like an athlete's mentality, you know, like I needed to just kind of really focus almost what was ahead of me to make sure I achieved it. But I think, yeah, the probably the most heartbreaking thing in those five days was the only thing I wanted was my ovaries removed to to save my uh, to, well to just be able to have children and the doctor was like you can't you, you've got a choice if you if you delay your treatment you could die to remove your you, you can they were like you can you, you can remove your eggs but you have to go to Oxford you'd have to get an ovarian slice um, and then delaying your treatment your tumors are going to spread so is your infection so there's basically the answer is no so I was like oh so that for me was probably in between those five days was another kind of sub blow was the children part. So that was probably just as much a heavy weight as the cancer actually mm-hmm. was my fertility, yeah. which I probably haven't shared that that point before. But looking back, that was a real big issue. It's, it's for me. taken away from you, isn't it? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. taken away from you. Mm-hmm. In five, so in five days, it was cancer. And, and it was that no children part was, yeah, it was too, yeah, big which I don't, I don't generally, Sarah knows this, I don't generally talk about that part, but that was probably, yeah, it was probably a tough part to swallow. Do you yeah. think then, Laura, sorry to ask you the questions, do you think therefore you're still processing your cancer fallout? You must be, as you as you talk about it, it kind of unravels a little bit. You must be still processing that. And, th- and that is still a reality, although you have a daughter, you yeah. know, it's that that thing was still taken from you. Yeah, I think I probably, if there's something I'm holding on to, I'm very comfortable talking about, you know, my cancer and I'm, you know, I'm very grateful to be alive. But, and I think probably that part of my fertility, yeah, it's probably something I haven't really addressed and probably need to maybe open up a little bit more um, into that actually and maybe kind of deal with that kind of part, which I probably have, yeah, closed <laughs> up a bit. Yeah, so possibly I need to kind of look at some, look into that a little bit more, but right, not right now though. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting when that when that is taken that is, option is taken away from you and under s- such a short time frame it must be extraordinary i i had a hysterectomy and when i had to have a hit well i made a choice to have a hysterectomy because i had precancerous cells in my cervix so i made that decision and you know because i didn't want to keep chasing and worrying and have that constant nagging in my ear that I might have something worse happen. But that finality of you have no option is such a weird thing. I didn't have a life-threatening thing standing behind me that was Gary like yours, but just that finality is is weird. Is really yeah, weird. 
And I, um, yeah, no, I agree. And I think if not that we can predict the future, but looking back, I wish I wish now it's more the done thing. I wish I'd frozen my eggs when I was in my twenties, when they were probably really, really great. <laughs> Rather than you know, like, which a lot of my friends are doing right now. You know, a lot of my friends who are single are freezing their eggs now at a good age for when you know if they haven't got a partner. So then maybe you know look at IVF in the future. And I just think it's like something I probably should have, really, which I wouldn't have, but I would have liked to have maybe done a little bit earlier. Mm. But there's no choice. <laughs> Sarah, what? do you want to give us a little bit about your story as well for the? Well, my timeline is really similar to Laura's actually, um, although it is quite a different story and. There are places where the story does really meet in terms of whilst we've had very different type of cancers, some of our experiences are very similar, which is why we get it is great because, you know, you you have got that understanding. Um, So in 2015, so I've done lots of sport, like Laura, quite sporty, and um, I had a bit of sciatica. If you ever had sciatica, it's the worst pain. It's the worst. Anyway. But for the first time ever, I was at my doctor's, other than when I was pregnant, going, I have got the worst back pain. I want some painkillers. Um, and they gave me some painkillers and uh, that just didn't even touch it. And I was back going, I need some more. And I was like, and by the way, I've got a bit of a swollen calf muscle. Oh, that's really odd. OK, well, look, here's your painkillers for your back. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, let us know. Come back and see us. So what started to unravel in 2015 was uh, um, I had a test for thrombosis for my veins in my legs. Um, I had, I saw a physiotherapist who said, oh, maybe your calf muscle's always been bigger. And I'm like, hmm, well, my boots have only just stopped fitting on that leg. And I've done sport all my life. I would have noticed. So I had about 10 or 11 months of all these tests but no MRI. And um, all of them were coming back glorious. I mean, I had a top-to-toe health check. Apart from, I had this swollen calf. It was getting bigger. Uh, I definitely was struggling kind of walking up hills. If you know Bath, you know it's very hilly. So that was a a bit of a stress, especially for somebody who's very active and who's very fit. And um, I finally got uh, an MRI where... Um, They did the whole uh, vein in the bloods thing. And that was across the Easter holidays. And I never heard anything until I had a phone call. And uh, this resonates with Laura's story about getting a phone call from Southmead from a checking clerk at the sarcoma unit saying, oh, hi, just booking you in for your biopsy. And I said, I don't know who you are. I don't even know what sarcoma is. Uh, What's going on? So where the scan had come back showing a lump, a mass, and I'd been fast-tracked to the sarcoma unit in Southmead, they'd obviously put the letter to my doctor in the actual snail mail, and it had never got there. She obviously was like, oh my gosh, I don't, uh, sorry, you're going to have to speak to your doctors, poor woman. Phone my doctor, sorry, Sarah, we still haven't seen anything. Let me see if I can find out for you. So I eventually spoke to the uh, specialist who'd ordered the MRI to say, we found a very big tumour in your left calf. Um, 
it's most likely going to be benign, but we are going to have a biopsy done at the sarcoma unit in Southmead, um, which course I am Googling sarcomas going F-U-C-K, that's the cancer. Ne- don't, I've never even heard of this. What is going on? But yeah, my cancer actually was a, a, an aggressive tumour. It was five by five by 12 centimetres. So it was huge and it was it was basically wrapped around the main artery into my foot. So sarcoma unit sits within plastic surgery, um, which is basically why it's there because sarcomas turn up in all sorts of funny places and a surgery is often the route. I had a full course of, so we're into 2016 obviously by this time, full course of radiotherapy throughout August awaiting surgery in the September of 2016, um, of which on the morning of my surgery, they didn't know if they could save my leg. Um, They didn't know if they were going to amputate or not. Um, Because as you know, with cancer, they've got a tumour and they like to go all the way around if they're going to remove anything and have a wide margin. But that was the difference between taking my leg off or saving my leg um, because um, it was wrapped around the archery. So the width of my archery is the width they saved my leg. Um, so I don't have a fibula and I really don't have much of a calf muscle. Um, and I will never do any ballet again. Um, but yeah, four years on, I stayed cancer free. Um, but it has it has had a big impact on my um, physical journey. So going from being very sporty, very active to having to process the loss of that mm-hmm. has been great. It, it, and as interesting me asking about Laura, you're still processing. I'm definitely still processing what that's meant for me physically because it's had an emotional impact. So that's my like crazy cancer journey, Um, you know, and so definitely not as dramatic as Laura's, although I guess if I was sat here without, if I only had one leg, it would be, you know, but it's just such a close run thing. But but the cancer journey is a very lonely one. So Laura's talking about being lonely. Laura, you'll know, it took me three years to physically be in the same room with another sarcoma patient because they're so rare. I was desperate to have that. Whilst I still had the We Get It, conversations with other cancer patients I was desperate to meet someone else who got it and um actually I have and he's very very poorly right now his cancer treatment hasn't gone the same way as mine's gone so far and um yeah it's a it's been a bit of a lonely a lonely road must be really emotional as well sorry thank you yeah yeah Yeah, well um I think I think that's it's brought a joy and it's because I've I've blogged about it but because I've talked about it on my Instagram and it's brought other people into my life who have the same you know and there's like a little the little sarcoma club there's about (laughs) six of us you know there are more people than that but the people I've connected with and Mm. you know that's That's not so bad yeah. When you look at cancers, of course, we've got the, the four most common cancers and lots of money is spent in researching these. But something like sarcoma is very rare. 
Yeah, and, and that's why the, the death rates are one in two because they go undetect- undetected, which is why when people talk about losing weight through cancers, you don't. You can look like this and you can have a time bomb and you can look well and you can say things like, I've got a swelling and two GPs will go, oh, okay. And they won't even touch your leg or they, they've never seen a sarcoma, so they don't know. But as a result, the mortality rate is ridiculous for something that actually is quite curable. Again, you know, like a lot of cancers catch it early, you know, that there are treatments. That's the interesting thing for both of you is that you were feeling unwell for a period of time. I mean, the the similarity on both counts is that you knew that something wasn't quite right and you were trying to find out. And the length of time is really shocking and then to find out both of you to find out via phone I mean you know it is laughable it's not laughable but it is laughable it's pretty well this is why we've got a campaign happening as we move towards world cancer day which is called get it checked and whilst it is about checking your boobs we all know about that and for men to check their balls and you know to check your poo and all those things that we you know that we shy away from but also if you are feeling uncomfortable about something around your body, get it checked. You know, you know that your body best. Mm. I knew something was wrong. I just knew something was wrong with my leg. It just, it just, there was, there was no rhyme or reason to it. And actually, you know, people are being put off going to the doctors because of coronavirus, because of all the noises about the surgeries being so busy. And as a result, you know, as a, there is a crisis. There is a crisis in well, the cancer thinking, community. You know, people don't. People are quite happy to hear. Oh, it's nothing. It's likely nothing. It's piles. You know, you've got blood in store. It's probably piles. And people are quite happy to go home with that because oh, it's not a cancer. You know, but actually, you shouldn't take no for an answer. If something's persisting, if it's there, if you deep inside no this is not right you know get it checked because how many times you hear doctors say um well 99% of the time this is nothing yeah but there's that one percent and you could be that one percent well definitely massively and I think that's why you know for us this cancer and covid campaign hashtag get it checked is so important because it's that you've got to take ownership for your own health and you must, the NHS is open, GPs are there to help, and we can't urge everyone enough really to kind of, please, 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 it's that kind of gut instinct, if there's something doesn't feel right, if you've got a sign or a symptom that you've been suffering with quite a long time, get it checked, and I think for us, we want to make sure that we can, you know, if we save one life by doing this campaign, we get one person go to the GP to get it checked, or one person go to the NHS to get it checked, then we will be happy, we feel like we've done our job, but we're seeing now in our We Get It community, due to covid we're seeing late diagnosis mm-hmm. um which means and we all know early diagnosis is key for survival yeah. you know late diagnosis is is can be unfortunately it could be death so it's really important that we get early diagnosis you get your treatment you get checked so this is why we're doing it well as well as that there is an impact on those people who already have a diagnosis and so i have like a really sorry story about my own father, who was a fit, well, healthy person who was waiting for a hip replacement. So this time last year, he was waiting for a hip replacement. Um, He was in terrible pain and it was put off because of coronavirus. 
And at some point last summer, he had a very rare lung cancer diagnosis. And then he got coronavirus and he died in December. Mm-hmm. And so coronavirus played a role at two, maybe three points critically for him from being a really healthy person, you know, being put off and then and then having treatments put off. And then actually, you know, so it is a very a sorry tale. But we hear that, don't we, Laura? We hear people going like well, both for us, we've had our uh, checkups put back. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and think, you know, a lot of our community are getting delayed scans, you know, delayed treatments. Um, but actually, what as well at the heart of this, you know, we're all dealing, we've got COVID at the front of our mind, but there is a kind of cancer crisis right behind COVID that we're all absolutely. really worried about, actually. And I've got an MRI in December I haven't had a result from, yeah. uh, November. A friend whose husband, um, and this isn't a, this isn't a coronavirus story it's a it's a story about must get it checked and he he's sort of ginger and pale and goes out in the sun and you know he's now in his 50s or just into his 60s and she saw something on his skin it's like you must get that checked you know we all get these little bits on our skin and you just think oh I'll get it checked I'll get it checked he never got it checked um he got it checked I think it was four months after she spotted it and it just shows that you need to get it done straight away because he's now, bless him, he's got, I think it's metastasized his brain and his eye. Mm. So he's really, really, really struggling. And, you know, as my friend said to him, you, you know, we, we must get it checked. And it's, mm. you know, get it checked is a fabulous way of saying it because it was just a, in his view, oh, it's just a little mark on my skin. Mm. No, it wasn't. And it's I always tell everybody, second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion, no matter what it takes, you know, just keep going yeah absolutely don't take yeah just keep knocking at the door don't get yeah yeah Yeah. well first of all sarah it's really sad about your dad you know it's it's uh, such a tragic really a tragic thing to have happen for him um but can we we can talk about we can go on and on and talk about this but i'd really love to hear more about the charity and the organization that you founded laura so then we we can also talk about what you're doing, what you've done, and really tuck into your campaign on cancer and COVID. Is that okay if we do that a bit right now? And, and maybe um, how people can get in touch with you or, or get yeah. in touch with charity. So. Yeah. So basically, at We Get It, we want to be open and honest and disruptors and (laughs) those girls and boys and we want to kind of get out there and kind of get our message across so you'll notice with our branding it's quite kind of edgy we don't want to be a kind of Macmillan or a cancer research we worked really hard on that kind of branding and the name of we get it actually so it just does mean quite a lot to us Um, and what we want to do is we want to provide well First of all, we wanted to bribe a kind of get together. So every Friday we used to meet at Walcott House, um, but unfortunately we can't do that because of COVID. So now we go online and we've been running our get togethers uh, online since actually since the start of lockdown. So we've done something like 60 um, online socials every Friday. And we have an amazing community and we've had people from America 
from across the UK, from Essex um, down to Wales to, to down to actually, I think down to, to, to Cornwall way. So we've had a real kind of range of people join us, which is amazing. Um, we also had something called our pub night with Bob Crampton, who's our PR and patron. And he has a wonderful dog called Bertie the Labradoodle. So we used to meet in the Locksbrook Inn. But again, unfortunately, because of lockdowns, we took that online um, and he did um, some quizzes. We're kind of just revamping the look of that in the moment. So you might see a slight twist on that. And then we've just launched, actually, during lockdown, a friends and family hangout because we realised that um, we were supporting people affected by cancer. But sometimes your friends and family are actually even more affected than you because you get quite a lot of attention, actually, during your treatment or your diagnosis. But actually, it's your friends and family that are watching you that actually need the support. So We've also, they need, to, also they need a space out. to go and moan about you, don't they? And like uh, <laughs> your earshot and go, God, she's a yeah. really miserable cow today. <laughs> oh my God. And someone goes, tell me about it. You know, you, know yeah. you are that. You are that cancer patient. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And just a place to offload, actually. And so we have that kind of space. Um, I'm sure my partner said that quite a lot about me um but we have that space on a thursday and it's the first thursday of the month at eight o'clock um so those are our three online socials but we just don't do that we also do workshops as well and we do so we do kind of like we've done a, a yoga workshop actually just on sunday um for people affected by cancer um but we did that with a local um provider bath yoga studios so we do workshops they're on our on our website you can find them then we kind of did a couple of virtual workshops there haven't we so we've done we kind of gathered loads of kind of uh, local um, entrepreneurs, would you say, or local businesses, and they provide well, tried, us some. Yeah, we've tried to work with some uh, excellent local people who do all sorts of things. Um, so my favourite was a cocktail workshop. Um, <laughs> you know, alcohol and non-alcoholic with a brilliant mixologist who works up at Babington House. So yeah, just some fun stuff to try and give people. Well. You know, we're all looking for stuff to do. I know we've all got a bit of Zoom gloom, but, you know, uh, this is where we meet right now and um, provide some bespoke um, events for our community, which we hope are a bit of fun and light relief. Yeah, and, and that, they've been awesome, actually. Just, from what you've just said, it's um, with lockdown, it's, it's encouraged your charity to sort of go more um global but certainly nationwide because i suppose it in bath people would come and meet you on a friday in that space but now people yeah. can come from anywhere yeah and it's really surprising actually because some because so, we've got our kind of like bath gang and then we're like oh where are you from and they're like yeah we're from taunton and we're like all right cool and then we're, we're getting quite a lot of people from essex actually at the moment join us so that's yeah that's been really cool actually to have them kind of just to have a different kind of face and a different kind of location it gets quite exciting really it's like potluck um, but the other other thing we've been doing that we're very very proud of actually is our panel events because we want to tackle those issues and those conversations that maybe your GP or your consultants um, or even your friends maybe don't talk about so our first panel event was with Bell Babe and it was called Fuck You Cancer and it was about her book that she wrote and we had an amazing panel event with her um, and then our second event was cancer and sex because no one actually talks about the impact on the intimacy actually during your cancer treatments um, and then we also did another event with uh, Steve Bland about his wife's uh, death um, and how it impacted him as a partner um, and then we do have another event Sarah well, we just hang on though you've skipped one oh, oh, okay. uh, 
Yeah, Sophie Savage. Oh gosh, we've just, oh, we did our virtual one. So this is our virtual one. So thank you, Sarah. We've done our virtual with Sophie Savage, who is an ultimate, like, human. Oh God, she's inspirational. When I saw her at that event at Penny Brown, when I saw you the first time, I, I was crying. Everybody was crying. She's, she's amazing. Incredible. Mm. And when we saw her, actually, uh, Linda, we were like, oh my God, we got we to gotta get her. Because so when we, we obviously, we could see that we had quite a lot of deaths in our community and we really wanted to support our community with mm. talking about death um, and dying. And uh, that's why we worked with Sophie Savage and put on that event, Let's Talk About Death. So we're really trying to kind of, if, if there's a conversation to be had, we're going to have it. And we're going to get that person that's talking about it. And we're going to make sure that we really talk about it and get our community involved in it. So Sarah, should we speak about one that we've yes. got in the pipeline? Do you want to, should I hand over to you for this uh, drum roll? Well, <laughs> so we've got amazing Deborah James, Belle Babe, coming back to us, albeit virtually, to talk about COVID and cancer and the cancer crisis um, currently as a result of the pandemic. So that's uh, it's Monday the 1st, 1st of February. Um, online free event again where... Well, well, I'm sure you all know Debs. Um, yeah, she is on our list. She's amazing. So um, I've done a couple of events with her now. Uh, she is vibrant. She's sassy. She's sexy. She'll. She's like me. She's a bit sweary. But, you know, she really is taking that conversation to people. And she has put us on the map and uh, we're on we're on the agenda she was on obviously on BBC question time wasn't she and you know fronting up to some pretty horrific um a, a horrific conversation around prioritizing people's lives and values and all that sort of thing so we are very lucky in um uh, within our campaign and the run-up to World Cancer Day that we have this event with Debs um where we hope to, yeah, shake down that conversation again. Can't wait. How do people actually um, get involved with that then, Sarah? Yeah, you, you're all oh, invited, God. ladies, as well, by Great the way. Uh, <laughs> Thank free you. tickets for you all. Um, the link will be on event. Free tickets for everyone. <laughs> yeah, free tickets for everybody. Um, okay. The event will be on Eventbrite, and we're probably going to release that at this week at some point. Okay. Yeah, we, we are a bit late to it because of various reasons. We haven't that's not up yet but that's only a matter of hours or possibly by tomorrow it'll be up so yeah Eventbrite book a ticket and then all the Zoom details are on there so yeah it should be really good uh, we've got our wonderful community member Lizzie Heffer who actually has a journalist uh, BBC background and she does all our interviews for us so they've actually uh, worked together for the the first event we did with Babe with her uh, book event so uh, babe with her book event so yeah uh it should be really good i think incredible I, she's amazing so yeah well i'm excited yeah we all aspire to deb's energy levels don't we i mean <laughs> why well we'll be sure and put that in our link tree in our show notes and promote it for you if that oh, if that you. helps um we'd Perfect. be delighted to do thank that thank you be really be great fun. thank you so much easy and, I wanted to ask you because when when I saw you in in um, Penny Braun uh, speaking, uh, do you remember there were hardly any men in the audience? Mm. And I know you said that that's one of the things that you do. You actually invite men. You have men mm. um, only groups, or you did in a pub with a pint of beer. Mm. Um, I think that's absolutely incredible because men don't talk 
about their cancer or any health issues really as much as women do you know we we like to chat so how how did you find them um well how did you get them engaged yeah I'm going to be honest it's it's still an area we're we're really trying to develop um we have some hardcore kind of guys that join us and they just love it they're just they're really great they're kind of almost part of the furniture actually in in our group (laughs) and they're they're we have um, one gentleman that just joins us every week and he's quite happy just to kind of sit and listen and he's kind of loves a bit of banter. Um, and I think we've got, we've got, we just kind of, they feel like they're supported, but they feel like they're listened to. Um, and I think sometimes it's not almost about the agenda. It's actually just being able to kind of share your story in a kind of safe space. So, but definitely Linda, I think it's an area that we're really trying to work on. And that's why we're probably revamping the pub night again to try and maybe engage even more men. Um, I would probably say we've got about 40%, 35% men to women in our get togethers. So we've still got quite a really good group of men joining us actually on a Friday, which is really, really good. That's really um, good. Yeah, yeah it's really, we, we, really have, good. we have been having conversations with um, Bath City Football Club, which we hope right. to pick up again. Obviously, we haven't been able to do anything uh, much with um, coronavirus, but, but that we've started that conversation with them as a, as a way to not only meeting um more men but meeting more people from the other side of the city because we still realize we've got so much work to do even within our sort of low local geographical area um trying to find people we've still got a lot of work to do so that makes me think of a question now that you know because of of covid there are silver linings to it so and one of them has been that you know prior to that you were really focused in the Bath area. And now you have expanded, as Linda said, and or Andrea, I can't remember which of you said that, so it's my fault, but you've expanded. Do you, how do you see yourself going forward and um, with We Get It in uh, your reach what? and your approach with people? There's only Laura, one Laura loves we'll, saying international. She we'll loves lie. saying international. <laughs> so so what our, else our, we're going worldwide, global. Good, good. <laughs> I'm putting my hand up for Bristol Branch. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. High five, Linda. High five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Just, I think. Yeah, I think really it's it's a meet it's a meeting of minds. You know, so mm. I th- I think we appeal to people and. Um, it's you know it's just getting the message out there and like you say we're doing so much cool stuff online as well yeah. as we are um, in the flesh. Laura would love to just say international more, wouldn't you, hun? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's only one international person, but you know, technically, that's international. We can, you know, we can. You are international. That's that's just the way you can say it. But I'm just thinking about other people that have either had cancer and have potentially been on their own if they want to to come on board and people who have it right now and are struggling and would like to have some way to connect up that it might be a nice way for them. There, Obviously, there are all kinds of different groups, but you are so very open and very honest and relaxed. It just is, I think it'd be really good to be able to, to, to provide that as an option for people. Do you know, say. that's a really important, sorry, Laura, really important point, Deb. And actually we do have a lot of people, and we touched on this earlier about processing, uh, a lot of people who actually are in remission, who mm. have come all the way through 
and perhaps are well or living with scars or pain or but you know technically everybody's looking at them going they don't have cancer anymore but they're still very much living with the effects of cancer treatment um I'd say Laura and I probably fall into that bracket and actually you still need um that place to go and and I think we're finding a lot of people going actually actually I'm still struggling and everybody's sort of forgotten about me a little bit and could could I join in and we're going absolutely so yeah um I, I think, think that's really that's important really, I think that's really really important I think it's um I've been I've, I've run some nutrition courses for a, a charity called Wessex Cancer Trust and they're the number of men we get on that is actually quite interesting as well because there's quite a few that join um and it's a five or six week course and it's all on zoom at the moment but i have to say some of them that come to that are exactly as you just described sarah they um we've had two well we've had a few ladies who have been through their treatment but there are certain things that they are really really struggling with now and they are struggling to find where to go to talk to people um afterwards because it's kind of like you've had your treatment you're done you're in remission mm. see you later or yeah. see you off you go see you. <laughs> and, and they they developed a community on this nutrition course so it was about nutrition but they developed a community themselves to talk about other things and other things that they were struggling with and it's it's been really interesting to see how that how that grows but I'd really like to sort of they're all um southwest based but it'd be really nice if I could give them your details as well, because a lot of them were also men who lived on their own and they don't know how to cook healthily necessarily. They don't know how they should maybe do a bit of movement um, and they don't know how to ask. So I think it would be, it'd be lovely if I could pass on your details. Yeah, no, 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 please do. And do you know, do you know what? I should just go into back to your point, Andrea. We're, sometimes we don't talk about cancer. Actually, we talk about wine, paddleboarding. We talk about someone's doing up a VW van. I you talk know, about actually, wine a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my specialist and, subject <laughs> but i think that's the whole point actually is there's no agenda like yeah. people are like how does it work and we're like look you can talk about anything and everything like we're just or, or just, not or not talk or not. and just listen yeah. and just okay. sit and feel comfortable yeah um yeah i think i think remission means you don't have cancer right now yeah, yeah. you know and i you know, we go to hospital all the time still. And, you know, it's almost like having your breakfast or having a cup of tea and it just kind of gets absorbed, but it's still a big deal because it still means you're on a watch list. They're yeah, still yeah. watching you and there's a reason why you're on that list. It's because you're at risk and living with that tiny little cloud, which has shrunk, but that just following you around all the days you know that has that's a weight isn't it and that's where I think we will definitely grow um and people will hopefully pop their head up and go I, I could do with a little place to go and just offload that now and again that, that would yeah. be great send anyone our way I think some of the people that I've spoken to also would like to talk about the impact the cancer had on something else so they may have had um, like you, Sarah, you had the operation on your leg or somebody might have had an operation on their bowel, but the impact of that on their life now is quite mm. huge. And again, it's OK, I've had it. I've had the cancer and I'm, uh, I'm supposed to be fine. But actually, the impact of losing that bit of my bowel is massive. I want to talk to somebody about it. It's big yeah. stuff. 
It's really big yeah. stuff. And I think even those who have been written off afterwards where people say, you're fine, you're clear, you can get away. There's, there is that element of it being a bit haunting. And so just having that moment of support, knowing that you have someone you can go to and talk to is, is so Im- important. I spoke to my uh, clients about rebuilding you afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know, yes, of course, it's the health. We look at the gut, we look at the immune system, we're rebuilding you. But it's also mentally and finding your place in the world because if people do expect you to be as you were before now that you are in a remission but you you are a different person linda you're completely right because a lot of people will go oh so you're back to normal now are you <laughs> you know and you're like what like oh my god i've just been like literally i'm just brutally being like ripped apart mm-hmm. and they expect you to be what you used to be and actually you're, you're really not there's you've been you know ripped apart and you know like as if you've been in a battle and you and you can yeah you're right you're, you're rebuilding and they they classify you know a lot of people say your new normal I'm not sure if I feel comfortable with your new the word the terminology your new normal but yeah you are trying to rebuild you again and, and how that happens it can take a short time a long time it might just take forever but yeah, you are definitely a different person, I think, after cancer treatment. And, and people don't understand that. You know, like I, I literally cannot drink like I used to. And people are like, think I can and think I'm the party queen. I'm not that person. I just want to go to bed at eight o'clock every night. I'm quite happy to stop a cup of tea and go to bed. Sarah will not be happy with that comment. <laughs> you, may, you, may, you may not want to drink because you're thinking this is not good for me. But some people don't understand. Oh, I have one. Have You know, I, I, it's fun. Have one, have two. But actually, you know, trying to get that across to people saying, no, actually, I am not drinking because of my health. Yeah. You know, that, that's the other thing. But actually, yeah, and, it's, and ultimately, it's everybody's choice what they, what they do. But yeah. you, you need to get it across. And it's it's really difficult. I can see, you know, there's, there's this pressure on, yeah, you've got to be as before. We've got to go party. We've got to do this. And it's yeah. not possible. Like, I can remember one of my friends saying to me, actually, she, she, she went to me, oh, you're not the same, Law. You're not the same. And I was just like, I was really, like, hurt by that. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not the same. I'm like, just because I don't drink and, like, get absolutely wrecked all the time. It's like, I, I, I haven't got the energy for that anymore yet. And it, it is just telling you and improved. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So how do you how do you both take care of yourselves? That's one question I'd like to ask. And then I, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's wine, if it's whatever it is. It's about you and it's about your life. And I think that's one of the things that's important for anyone who listens to this because we're all different. What we do and how we can manage things and what decisions that we make. It's your life. It's your choice. It's what makes you feel the best. But that's one question I have. And then. I'm sure that that Linda and Andrea have others, but we'd obviously like to hear other bits that you want to to share with us. But one is, what do you do to take care of yourself? We're a bit chalk and cheese, aren't we, Laura? We did a podcast on this and Laura was (laughs) saying she was all about the green juices. And I'm like, "Uh, no, (laughs) no, you can have your green juices. Uh, uh, You know, I, I think I've been on a more of a, although my surgery was mainly physical, um, and I still have aches and pains and all the things and, you know, scars and not feeling sexy and all of that. Uh, my, it, it has been a mental journey. The mental journey has been harder in some ways. Um, so I've been looking for ways to 
uh, laugh, have fun, um, speak out. I, I, I've done things slightly differently. Whereas Laura, you have been on a, you, your journey's been different, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think I've tried to, because I think you can never say what caused your cancer. And I think that's like a minefield. It's no point in trying. But I think stress definitely added to my um, stress levels, definitely impacted my illness, should I say. Yeah, and yeah. I think I've tried really hard to take a slower pace of life and not be so 100 miles an hour because I realized and my partner will say always tell me now don't get stressed because you know it's it you know don't get stressed you know it, what happened last time so yeah so I'm really mindful not just to try and be which I'm not chilled by the way I'm really I'm not a chilled person so it's really hard for me to be chilled so mm. I, I'm still working <laughs> on that now to try and chill because Sarah will tell you I'm still quite like annoying um when it comes to things but I think if I was looking at how do I help and live my life now we we did something actually in May during lockdown called the 100k in May to raise money for we get it and now I haven't run since before my cancer so actually if I and I've actually got into running again and that was a bit of a kind of miracle for me because I didn't think I'd have the lung capacity or the kind of will to do it but actually I'm really slow but actually I'm really enjoying it again I'm enjoying pushing my body and, and actually I'm proud and grateful that my body is able to run and I and that's been a quite a big achievement actually since after cancer so I'm enjoy, enjoying that kind of freedom of just going for it, even if I'm really slow like a snail um yeah I'm enjoying that again so I'd probably say that and I've just taken up paddleboarding as well which is quite nice um especially with the river so close so probably running paddleboarding and trying to be slower but I'm still working on that one <laughs> I created some free oh sorry Linda I was saying, and the green juices oh, oh yes <laughs> <laughs> and the green juice look at Sarah I created some um freedom by um mentally and physically building what I call my fuck it bucket and I think this is a a real pearl that cancer diagnosis can give you, which is a space to just drop all the shit, mm. you know? And uh, I don't know about anyone else. If I had a real, it was almost like um, when I got divorced, you have a bit of a clear out of dead wood, like friends who don't bring any positivity, friends in inverted commas who don't bring yeah. any positivity or all that sort of thing. And it was it was a space to just go, that's not important. Why was I ever worrying about that? Kick that into touch. So I think I created, so I was saying about my mental journey. Uh, it's just why I think I'm a, mm -hmm. I mean, age, you know, brings on some kind of confidence I feel but uh yeah my journey has been like I am just so just say it as it is and how you feel it and I don't think I was necessarily that ballsy before um so yeah and I actually did get a pink bucket and I went down to the craft shop and I bought the letters F-U-C-K-I-T, <laughs> spent ages <laughs> gluing it on and spraying it silver. And I don't know where it is now, but yeah, it was like, I would definitely recommend that to anyone. Good to you need to bring it back. Yeah. I'll make you one, Laura. Thank you. you know, Although my crafting is not amazing. <laughs> this reminds me of um, a client, cancer client, we saw in clinic when I was studying and she said, oh, I've already, you know, started to improve my health and my life. And um, 
a lecturer who was taking the case. Said, so, so what have you done so far? She said, I got divorced. One of the best things I ever did, for sure. I always tell people, you know, yeah, it's the, you know, any anything that's toxic, is it people, is it your job? Just get rid of it. Yeah. And I get them right to list, you know, that look at your stresses. What are your stresses? Hmm. Stressing you up. What can you do about it? Yeah. Absolutely. And everyone's so different though, aren't they? Everyone's so different, you know, like that's why I love like me and Sarah and the fact that we are, we've got similarities, but we're also different in the way we deal with things. And I think it's important to have, there's such a rate, there's there's actually, there's not a a yes or no to cancer. You deal with it whichever way you want to, you know, I think that's really important. And that's what we basically talk about on our podcast is uh, we, it's called the good, the bad and the ugly. So it's just a spinoff if we get it. And it's just us talking about some of the good stuff that, has come from our journey hate that but you know everyone understands what I'm saying you know the bad stuff which uh is fairly obvious and then the ugly which is more like the funnies the slightly like you wouldn't believe it unless you saw it type you know like um I had to go to Southmead mate because because I had this rare cancer, because it was in a rare place, and because um, Southmead is a teaching hospital, they had said, would I have some pho- photography done of my legs? And I'm like, yeah, sure, this is post-surgery. And uh, I ended up um, in my thong, <laughs> hopping on one leg, being videoed, to only remember I'd signed off that, yeah, you can share this all over the internet. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, if you told me I'd have worn big pants at least. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely horrific. I mean, horrific. But, you know, and so so our podcast is a lot of that. You know, Laura talks about what did the, what were you doing in the hospital with what were you wearing? Face, well, actually, I was wearing a face mask. Back then, people weren't wearing them, but I had all these like Korean, like Asian face masks, which I thought were really cool. But no one back then, like back in 2016, like thought they was weird. But like I was wearing them dancing through the kind of like oncology with some music because it was my last chemo and they didn't have a bell. They didn't have any kind of celebration for me. So I thought I'd make my own celebration. Um, but yeah, that, that's what we talk about really. But it's actually just, you know, it just, it's just good fun just to kind of catch up and BA1 Radio are, are awesome guys there as well. And we love them to bits. They've been awesome, haven't they, sir? Yeah. yeah. Can I have a question? Um, have you learned something about yourself that you didn't know before? Oh, blimey. That's... Uh, Laura, you'll have to go. I need more time. Oh, to I'm struggling. I'm actually struggling. I'm actually struggling with that one, Linda. I'm, I'm not... That's <laughs> one that I'm... Do you know what? I think actually that is a good question. I think... I think it's amazing what the human body and the human mind can can put up with. And, ju- you know, like I, I was a single mum for a long time, got an amazing partner now, a single mum, got daughters. I mean, they're just so troublesome and um, gorgeous, sassy, bright, brilliant, whole lot of trouble. Like, I can't do any more on my own. And then you go get ill and you're like, oh, oh. And I, I think it's taught me how flipping strong I am actually and how robust a human or how robust women are or you know our bodies are I mean my body's been through a lot and still you know like Laura said you ran 100k I walked 100 miles that month you know because I couldn't do the running so yeah I think it's taught me a lot about my resilience for sure yeah 
Beautiful. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably taught me, this is going to sound a bit cheesy, so Sarah's probably going to cringe, but here we go. (laughs) Go on, go Um, on, Laura. I I think it's just taught me that there's so much like kindness out there actually because <laughs> see I knew she was gonna laugh at me I knew she was gonna laugh because, because she's such a nice honestly she's the nicest person she's so lovely God Laura <laughs> but I mean that with I, all my heart I had a I'm gonna sound like I had a dream like I had a vision like I knew like <laughs> listen listen Sarah you got to be quiet for a second so I get this dream. out. No. Oh, constantly, constantly. <laughs> My dream was I had, I knew that if I was going to be a, stay alive, I had to make sure I was going to help people. That was my, that was my kind of goal in life. If I was able to live, I was like, I need to make sure I start helping other people live their life as well. And I think for me to create, we get it. I was never going to be able to do that on my own. And the fact that people have been so ultimately kind to me and to we get it Sarah being one of them but I have a wonderful team of volunteers we have no funding we're all volunteers and not just the we get it team but people in the Bath community people beyond that have given us so much for free and I think I've just learned like ultimately how kind people are actually and I'm just forever grateful to them because without them I wouldn't be here with we get it and what we've created and we've helped so many people but yeah so I think just yeah I've learned that people are so kind yeah and I'm just grateful amazing if I could put a song on now it would be Jace's amazing Technicolor dream coat <laughs> luckily dream. no one can see this luckily no one can see this on audio <laughs> ah you're a great team (laughs) i love it you got to be that way so what haven't we talked about or what haven't we asked there are there some things that are looming that we haven't brought up so far for these two i would say so going through cancer journey what what do what would you wish that worked better you know, within sort of NHS, within diagnosing, what, what what would be your one thing that you would wish to be better for people who are being diagnosed now? So if I had my time again, I would definitely like not to be on my own mm. and, and have a phone call like that. I yeah. think it was just a cock up and I don't think any one person was to blame. But I do think it's really important Um and I don't think that my GP surgery has done anything about that. I will take them to task at some point and just say, what did you, what did you learn about that? What did you do about mm-hmm. the processes in terms of p- big news reaching people in such a, in such a terrible way? Um, I think. So more consideration for your feelings, really. Well, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, it's just big news to share and it's got to be done right. And you can't, you know, that poor woman at Southmead, she was like trying to answer my questions about my, you know, near diagnosis. That's not fair on her either. So, uh, yeah, that's the thing I would tweak. If it was the first thing I could do, I would tweak that. Yeah. Yeah, I was... I would probably say support and resources mm. and signposting because I got one leaflet when I was diagnosed and that was not enough. 
I got one leaflet on cancer counselling and I knew I needed, I needed more, you know, I needed mental, physical, spiritual, emotional support to survive. Mm. And I, I did it all. I wanted I didn't get it. And I was so tired, so tired. I, I had to research, you know, so much and I, I shouldn't have had to do that. I should have been mm. able to get that in my hands. You've got cancer here's the resources to help you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally live with cancer and survive cancer. And I think that's what I would love for, for other people now that have been diagnosed is to get that support. And, and like Sarah said, make sure they're not alone um, during and after cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I think resources you know, that you can trust because there's so much online. Yes. Good point. Good point. From Google. I said, do not go on Google because yeah. that that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. So no, very good point. Yeah. It's the worst yeah. thing you can trust. Yeah. Right. So let me jump back. I think those are perfect and amazing things to say. I do. And I'm not just saying that to blow smoke because I really do. People find out these things. They're on their own. They don't have the support. They don't have the information as much as there's stuff out there. The doctors themselves need that education or the person conveying that, that information to you need to be educated as well on how to convey that and communicate it. And I don't think they are. I'm giving them an out, but I, I don't think they are. But through what you've said, you know, you're talking about how you manage things mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Did you ever at any time get any information about foods and, and nutrition and how to nourish yourself whilst you were going through this? I'm just curious. Yeah. So I challenged um, everyone and anyone, to be honest, uh, Deb, uh, that I could find about nutrition and exercise because they're two very key things for my, my, you know, my career and my life. Um, and the, the limit, the, well, I got given a, a leaflet on neutropenic diets and it was, it was appalling. It was a two page saying I can have baklava which I was like, what? <laughs> I can eat that lava. And then I was like, I'm really confused. And then, and then I had a, a one-to-one with a nutritional therapist at the hospital, which said contradicting advice to what uh, maybe another nutritionist might have said. Right. Um, and theirs was a really box standard um, nutritional guidance, but it wasn't cancer specific to that sort of, to your cancer needs. It was very much a kind of broad kind of NHS kind of um, diet. So the answer is I spoke to my GPs, my consultants, my nurses, and I got very limited information uh, regarding nutrition and the information I did get uh, was not useful. Yeah, unfortunately. And did you get, uh, Sarah, I'll, I'll bother you and just to get you to put your two pennies in just a minute. Did you get information about how to, to manage spiritually and emotionally? Was that more forthcoming or and or any integrative work that you could do to do a combination of anything? I know probably what the answer is going to be, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I very much am, I'm grateful, but they just treated and anything above and beyond outside of the medical profession, uh, they uh, they were not willing to answer. 
Um, and like I said, you know, for me, actually, Penny Brom was, was amazing in that field. I got that support from Penny Brom. Um, but my consultants and GPs, like really going back to, they did an amazing job and I'm grateful because I'm alive today, but did not provide the support outside the medical. They literally just treated me and my cancer. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even a, hi, Laura, how are you feeling when I got to my consultant's appointment? It's just like straight in, these are your results. This is what you got to do. This is what's next. There was no fluffiness about those concerns. You know, you got five minutes in that consultant room. There's, you know, I went in with a list of questions. You know, you've literally got to be so drilled, and there's no real help outside of that medical world, really. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. What, what do you think? I think sometimes as well, they, the the consultants have to be like that because you know, this is an emotional journey for everybody involved, and I think sometimes um, when you you know, you talk to some of the oncologists as people, it's an emotional journey for them and they have to do it every day. Um, and I think sometimes a lot of them are very, <laughs> this is this is all I talk about because if I go outside of this, they're setting themselves up for a little bit of a of an issue as well. So I, again, I'm, I'm probably giving them an out like Deb did, but I think it is a difficult role that, and a difficult line that they tread sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um... But to answer the question, I don't think, certainly on the GP side, there's been nothing, nothing. Um, Sarcoma unit has a specialist nurse who, so I was going every three months for four years and uh, she would, she would, she's very funny. She just like sort of, you know, chase me down the corridor and go, you're on my list. You must sit down and tell me how you feel. And <laughs> and she's lovely, but that isn't really any way to unlocking how somebody's, you know, that's your hospital visit. That isn't your, that's your, that's, you know, that's checking in with scans or prodding and poking. And that isn't a space in which you're going to offload in any way. So certainly... Certainly no, really, nothing that was useful. Um, nutritionally um, is not an area I have researched, but I do remember when I first got home from hospital and uh, my lovely group of mummies that I did water babies with my kids way back, um, they sent this incredible freezer full of nutritional yumminess of and it just filled up my freezer and that was just a, like a great big hug into shopping bags because it meant that Simon didn't have to do anything I didn't have to do anything but my kids were fed we all had something delicious and actually the difference that made it tipped a balance so it so it is incredibly important even if that is you know I mean they were very posh freezer meals because my water baby slot are, are pretty well to do but you know the difference that made in our lives was is something I will always remember as an incredible gesture about how important it was and actually a very little on their behalf you know mm -hmm. it's been fascinating and interesting and humbling to listen to your stories and what you're doing now I want to say if, if you know we can help in any way let us know likewise you know thank you very much guys and we just really appreciate and just grateful for, for inviting us onto your show as well so thank you yeah we just we're just amazed people still want to hear our stories <laughs> <laughs> your stories are fab your stories are fab well listen 
Thank you so much, Laura and Sarah, for joining us today. It has been absolutely wonderful. We really appreciate you taking the time out. I think we're all in great admiration of you and the organization you've put together. Thanks, Take guys. care. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, folks, that's all for today. Andrea, Linda, and I really appreciate your taking the time to listen to Sarah and Laura share their stories. We will, of course, provide information so you can get in touch with them as you see fit. Also, keep in mind their wonderful campaign that they are starting called Get It Checked. As we know, the earlier you can get something diagnosed, the better your chances are. If there's anything that you would like to talk with any of the three of us about, please be sure and send us an email. We would be delighted to talk with you. We'd also like to ask, if you haven't done so already, to please subscribe to our podcasts and leave us a review and share this with other people that you feel might find these podcasts of value. We have a great road ahead, so watch this space. But for now, we'd like to wish each and every one of you the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.